Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along. Check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, my finest friends. Welcome to another Rahalastava Book Club. This week we are looking at Don't Forget to Scream by Marianne Levy, who is with me now. Hello, Marianne. Hello, Richard. Nice to see How- you. Lovely to see you. How are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you so much for having me. I feel really pleased to be on this because I really want men to read this book and you as a man have read it. I am so a man. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm a man and I've read it. Well, that's the case with quite quite a few of the female authors. We've had this conversation, which we might have, might have now, we might have later, about uh, how female authors are generally read by women only. And, and I think that's a big mistake. And I think, especially in the case of this book, um, I think for men... It just makes sense to read books for women anyway, so that you can understand. If you're interested in understanding women, maybe you aren't. Um, <laughs> but if you're interested in understanding, and understanding women, reading books by women is an excellent way to do that. But also, it's sort of crazy. You're missing out on lots of things. So before we get going, can you tell me who you are, Marianne Levy? Um, I am a writer. Um, I'm an occasional journalist. I write art stuff. I review children's books, adult books, occasional bits of television. Um, I used to be a voice artist, but I'm not anymore since I had two children. And <laughs> I am now an essayist, apparently, um, in that okay. I am just about to publish a book of essays. Um, which oh, sounds terrific. very grand, um, but that, that's <laughs> apparently who I am. So, okay. yes. <laughs> and t- tell us about your, just briefly tell us about previous books you've written, because you have written for children previously, right? Yeah, I, so I've written three books for younger children, um, and they were sort of funny books about um, a little girl called Ellie May, who was an incredibly famous film star. And then I wrote two books for sort of, I think it's called clean teen, so sort of younger teens. Um, <laughs> okay. So teens, but with no swearing or, 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 or 
any fornication in it. Um, so I wrote <laughs> okay. two books for young teens. Um, and then I've now just sort of made this sudden and slightly unexpected jump into memoir for adults, which yeah. doesn't sound very joined up as a career. But then I suppose, <laughs> you know, that that's what happens when you're in our line of work, that you, you just end up doing things you didn't think you were going to do five years ago. It is. It's also a book about creating readers for your other work as well, because it's a yes. book about having <laughs> children who will eventually true. read your book. So it's and a cyclical time thing. to do it. The more people you can convince to have children, the more book, children's books you'll sell. Though I'm not sure this book will convince everyone who hasn't had a child. I should say also, I think it's a great book for people. I, I have got children and a lot of it resonates with me. Uh, but if you haven't got kids, and even if you're not planning on having kids, I think it's still an, an, a very important and, and, and entertaining, interesting book to read. So it's not just aimed at parents. In fact, I mean, how would, how would you describe the book, first of all? Well, I mean... My hope is, well, so I suppose when I came to sit down and write it, my very nice, very good editor and I were sort of saying to one another, it's really weird that falling in love and grief are both so openly written about. I mean, they're, they're hard to write about, but you wouldn't not pick up a book on grief just because you hadn't recently been bereaved. You wouldn't not pick up a book on love if you weren't currently falling in love with somebody. And yet there's something about this particular genre, this this sense of that that it's only for people who are just about to become or who've just become mothers. And we both felt, well, this is crazy because mothers are all around us. We all came out of somebody. And it seems really <laughs> odd that it sits in this kind of niche corner of the bookshop probably with a pink cover on it and people would self I mean even people that I've sort of said oh would you like to read this to give me a quote have often said well I will but I don't know if this book is for me and then to a person and I will in fact say to a man have all come back and gone oh this book was totally for me because it's about this really important human experience and just because you're not currently pushing a baby out or haven't recently doesn't mean that you're not surrounded by other people who have um so I suppose it's a book that's trying to pin down from the inside what it's like to undergo this massive shift in your psychological self, your physical self, when you become a parent, specifically a mother, because it's a memoir. Um, but I hope it's, yeah, I hope it's, if nothing else, really interesting, because it felt to me when I had my first child that everyone treated it as though it was a really ordinary event. And I was going... <laughs> this isn't fucking ordinary this is this is really if nothing else this is really weird and it's really visceral and it's really physical and everything about my life has now changed and you're just sort of looking at me going oh yeah that's nice and <laughs> the book is a sense of sort of trying to shake people by the shoulders and going you know that woman that you saw struggling to get on a bus or sitting in the cafe desperately <laughs> rocking a screaming pram this is what it's like to be behind her eyes as far as I yeah think. so yeah I, I don't know yeah that. and I think is that what you yeah, got no, um, I know yeah definitely well you know I think it's because it's it's a lot of books about uh motherhood as you say would either be instruction manuals or mm. you know how to how to be a wonderful perfect mother or, or father but you know a lot of these books are, are aimed at mothers I think it's fair to say um and they should be aimed at fathers as well I, it's kind of ridiculous when men don't <laughs> take an equal yeah. interest in their own children um I, I suppose what I got out of it just was um the the honesty of it that I think you don't well, I've written books for men about 
men's genitalia has just written another one, but I wrote <laughs> 20 years ago about penises, which men talk about all the time, but never really talk about. And you sort of feel with women, oh, women won't need that. They'll, women will talk about this subject honestly and openly because that's what women are like. But I think it's very rare to see someone talking about parenthood and motherhood, particularly um, in such honest terms, you know, because it's meant to be this ma- miracle, magical thing. Yeah. Uh, and actually, you know, a lot of it resonated with me because, you know, the experiences of birth itself, of all the things you go through as a parent, all the kind of insane thoughts you have, <laughs> all the fears, yeah. uh, it's it's not um, particularly nice. I mean, I think overall it's a good thing to do and it's a nice experience and I'm glad I've done it. But it's very rare to see someone write about it, I think, which is, so I think that's the remarkable thing about this oh, book. Oh, good. Oh, good. Well, thank you. And 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 it should be easy to talk about this stuff. And of course, it's it's not for a number of reasons. I mean, it's partly not because, so for example, there's a bit in it about intrusive thoughts. So when yeah. my daughter was very small and my son were very small, I would have, and it was it was in the most sort of sleep deprived, hardcore, sharp end of, of of new parenting. I would have these strange things where, say, my daughter was in the bath, and I'd suddenly have this image of myself that would just flash into my head I'd be smiling at her and playing with the bubbles and I'd have this image of holding her under the hot tap and I could see very I could see perfectly her little drowning face and I could see her hand you know like something from a horror movie sure or I could imagine myself throwing her out of a window when I was changing her nappy and I'd go well where has this come from because I love her you know down to the marrow of my bones where is this image been hiding in my head am I actually going mad and so you know for ages I didn't talk to anyone about it and eventually I said I managed to say to a therapist look I've been having these thoughts and she could not have been less bothered she just said oh, <laughs> oh yeah everyone gets those they're called intrusive thoughts they're normal and I kind of went what so what I, I thought it was because how do you say to someone, you know, the, the person that you're, even if you're, you know, really good friends with someone, you're sitting with your newborns on your lap, having a cup of tea and a slice of cake. How do you say, here's the thing. I'm having a great time, but I am slightly worried that I'm going to kill my baby because I keep having visions of myself doing it. And that's even with someone you're close to and being honest with, it's very hard. And of course, now I know it's completely normal. I'd feel a lot happier saying it, but you don't know it's normal when you're six weeks into this. Certainly, I had no idea. I don't know if that, yeah, that that kind of thing I found very, very hard. Well, I I had exactly the same thing. I had exactly the same thing. And then I wrote wrote a stand-up routine about it because it was just, you know, but because it's also like, I think the logic behind it is, it's your it's your brain allowing you to play out things in order that you don't do them because it's so horrifying yeah. that you won't actually do them. But all the things I thought are just things I don't need to be told that, that not to do yeah. that. And being made to imagine it is utterly horrific. And I imagined swinging my daughter around, just smashing her head against the wall. I imagined, I imagined throwing her off the top, you know, it was on the top floor of John Lewis in uh, Oxford Street, which has like a very high... Yeah, I know. What a middle class way to kill someone. I I just think, what would happen if I threw her off there? If I just picked her up and threw her off there right now? And so there's quite, I did a whole whole routine about it, but it's such a a horrible thing to, because exactly that is not a bit, but clearly also people have those intrusive thoughts and then some people do act on them. So it's it's like this, uh, you know, I think even in the routine, I kind of said, what if you're one of those people, one of those people who isn't just intrusive thoughts. And the very nice therapist said to me that the the time to worry is 
is if you go, that would be good, wouldn't it? If you have intrusive <laughs> thought. And then, and she said, you're clearly horrified, so it's fine. But even the sentence, you're clearly horrified, so it's fine, it does yeah. not match with the John Lewis version of new parenthood that I'd kind of imbibed no. before I had a baby. This sort of sense exactly. of walking around in kind of sleep deprived terror. That is so and I think it that is that, that, that the sleep deprivation that you, you talk about uh, and that you talk about there, but you talk about it in the book as well is is a huge thing because me and my wife would have terrible arguments mm. and that's that you know that we and we'd never really argue before we'd have, and I'd be and I'd get fury you know I'd, I'd have to leave the house I once left yeah. the house and slammed the gate and broke the gate because I was so angry <laughs> and I you know I'm, since I was twenty I never had I never had a te- you know I managed to control my temper I used to have a bit of a temper. Yeah. Uh, and I've never been like that since then. And it when and but in the moment you don't. It's when you <laughs> you go back and look, you go, oh, all of those times we hate we shouted at each other and, and looked like we were going to get divorced. We both hadn't slept at all for two days. Yeah, <laughs> that was what because I can't even remember yeah. what the arguments were about. Now. No, no, and it's very hard. I think you know I had insomnia. I'd stayed up late. I'd you know been to Edinburgh a few times. I thought I knew what it was like. Um, I've been to Edinburgh to do the comedy festival, not just been to Edinburgh generally. I don't think it's a particularly normally sleep deprived place. <laughs> but I thought, you know, I, I know what sleep deprivation is. And it's like, and I think, again, with new parenthood, I think it's very hard until you go through it to actually, actually be able to empathise with what it's like. And that's not that thing of, because I know it's really annoying when a new parent just goes, well, no, actually, I, I can't really convey it to you. But how do you convey to somebody what it's like not to sleep for more than three hours at a time for six months, which is what I had with my daughter? Yeah. I was just, I couldn't, and I, I tried to do it in this book because I think it's really important. But I remember saying to people, I'm really tired and I think I'm going mad. And they'd go, oh, back to me. And you'd go, no, no, no. <laughs> really tired and I think I'm going mad and then they just say well you know that's how it is isn't it when you have a baby and 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 I suppose the book is a sort of an attempt to go this is how it is when you have a baby and it's beyond anything you are likely to have experienced as some people will have experienced a version of it especially I imagine if you're a carer of some kind or if you're used to being around small babies a lot but even then I was talking to somebody the other day who was telling me that her sister had been a childminder and then had a baby and went, ah, oh, no, this is very, very different. And I'm interested in the kind yeah. of the biological tie-up of it, and which I think you write about so well, actually, on your blog, you talk a lot about sort of seeing parts of you in your children and how that makes you feel and when you feel proud and when you suddenly have that kind of gust of emotion or that gust of love or, or rage or whatever that takes you so much by surprise. And I'm really interested yeah. in all that. I think it's fascinating. No, it is interesting. And I think also to talk about, um, you know, how having a baby sort of, uh, it's, uh, you're losing, as well as gaining a wonderful thing, you're losing a part of yourself. And you're, in fact, changing. I mean, you describe both physically and mentally, but you're sort of, it's almost like a loss of identity and a loss of self yeah. because you turn from being an independent person who can do whatever they want into being someone's mum or someone's dad and and often obviously if you're not working at all and if you have full-time parent then that's all you are and you did sort you lose of lose your name the, did, did, did people stop calling you by your name is that a thing that happened <laughs> to you because you talk about loss of identity and I remember very I became mum almost immediately 
all the time yes. to everyone I spoke to. Did you, did you, I mean, I don't know. What yeah, it's like up so to much, an extent you know, until my daughter has started calling me Richard sarcastically. So now, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought would happen a lot later than it's been seven years old. So now I get called Richard again, but only by my daughter and only okay. when she's being incredibly sarcastic to me. Because she knows that Richard is a ridiculous name as well. I don't know how she's managed to pick that up, but uh, she's she's got there. Um, yeah, but it's but you know I don't. Do you think that's just a, a product of our generation and and maybe the privilege of um, you know ha- having an identity to begin with and yeah. having a life where you can do whatever you want, which isn't everyone's story. Um, you know, for our parents or our grandparents, and I would think probably especially for our grandmothers, um, just being a mother would have been what was expected and they would have they wouldn't have necessarily they might not have liked it but they might might not have felt that they could mm. complain about it do you think it's do you think that feeling of you know is it is it a feeling of coming from privilege that we that we had an identity to begin with I don't know I mean I'm my feeling is that whatever is happening is happening is playing out across our generation and perhaps the next one that ours is a very particular struggle that's coming off the back of widespread contraception women in the workplace women being educated you know given the kind of whole course of human history you think you know how recently women just had the vote for example how recently women could work because they wanted to um as opposed to either desperately working because they had to or not being able to work because you just absolutely didn't work once you had a child and it does feel certainly from my point of view, as though we're caught at quite an odd moment in history. And I'll be very interested to see what my daughter and what my son think, you know, when when they become of age to be either parents or close to other parents and just seeing how that plays out. Because at the moment, I mean, I don't know, financially, for example, we're in a very odd place where, from my perspective and from the perspective of a lot of people I know, essentially childcare takes a salary per child or two children. That is, I mean, our our childcare bill was more than our mortgage. So when I decided I wanted to work, everything I earned went on childcare. So I was essentially running in order to stay still. So financially, the only reason I could say that I was working was so that I would have a job in three, four, five years' time when my child slash children went to school, or because I wanted to keep that sense of my identity, because it certainly didn't make any financial sense for me to go to work at that particular moment. It, it made it would have been simpler for everybody if I'd stayed at home. But I was, I've been brought up, I've been educated, I've been told that work is what defines me. It's what I is what who I am, and then suddenly you're in this position where society goes, no, that's absolutely true. But also motherhood is what defines you. And that also is absolutely (laughs) the most important thing. And that's also who you are. And then you go, oh, hang on, I'm fucked. Essentially, (laughs) that you you can't. And and this is true of pretty much every woman I know. And I hadn't seen it coming. And I don't understand why I didn't see it coming because I knew the cliches about having it all. And yet until I was essentially six months into having had a baby and started looking at how much childcare in this country costs, I didn't, it's that empathy thing again. I sort of knew it, but I didn't know it. And then went, oh no, we're screwed. We're absolutely (laughs) screwed. And now we're just starting to be slightly less screwed because my little boy, my youngest, is 
now at free nursery. And so I can now work again without that immediate financial penalty. And it's so boring to talk about. And yet it <laughs> defines my days. It defines everything. It's who I am. It's how I spend my time. It's my bank balance. Yeah. You know, that's everything. That there isn't anything else. So, yeah, I find but it it's, very it's... weird. And I'll be interested to see where we shake out in 10, 20 years time with all of this. Yeah. But it's but that's the whole the whole thing is as much as you think yes I want to be a parent I want to have kids Ooh. you don't have any I mean this book will <laughs> will give you some idea I'm not sure you know your story isn't everyone's story I'm sure no. but I think no, it's no, a no. lot more people's story I think it's a lot more people's story than w- would admit it but you just think oh it'd be nice and you don't think of the reality of it you know and just the, I mean I I've got I've got post traumatic stress syndrome from both of the births and I was yeah. only watching. So, so yeah. you know, it's, they, they were both, I mean, I know you, I mean, you, you say that your, um, your son's birth was, is it your, no, your daughter's birth took, uh, four, four days, which you, is that right? Yeah, it was your, it's a, the first it took child. a very yeah. big chunk of my husband's paternity leave before we actually had the baby. <laughs> to put it that way. We were nearly a week down. Um, <laughs> Which, and of course, which, yeah, I mean, being, of course um, the worse the birth, the longer the recovery. And the, the, he was back, you know, back to work in, you know, a week. But yeah, it was it was very grim. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm interested yeah. that... I'm interested in your experience being an onlooker. How how does it feel to be because you're not the doctor, you can't do very much. You're sort of you're you're kind of trying to advocate for the person who's giving birth. How does that feel? I've, I've, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's bad because you're 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 being pulled both ways, and I think I was yeah. bad both times in that I've got too much respect for the doctors and stuff. So as much as Katie was saying uh, she wanted this and she wanted that, if the doctor then said, well, you know, or a medical person said, we have to do this, i go, oh, yeah, well, fair enough. So both yeah. of them were, were – the second one was harder because it was – and again, you sort of allude to this in the book, but it's not – you know, the NHS is so stre- stretched. And the night yeah. we had uh, – Ernie, it was a full moon, and apparently everyone gives birth on a full moon. All the hospitals were full, and Katie was basically just left 
like in a tiny cubicle and saying she was getting closer and they were just, and there was no one around. And finally she was, they were just saying, you're fine, you're fine. And finally they were saying, you're crap. She was saying, I'm crowning. And I, and I, and I, I had to go and try and find someone and couldn't find someone. There was no one around. And we, and we were just rushed. So, cause the first one took so long, not as yeah. by your standards, I'm just saying, <laughs> but the second one, we were sort of suddenly rushed. Suddenly people arrived and, uh, we are rushed into a lift and there had to be two nurses in the lift in case the nif- lift broke down. So we had to wait for another nurse. And then we were just basically put in a, a, a cupboard to give birth. It was like not a proper thing, you know, and and it was so fast. And, yeah. and all Katie had wanted was the drugs. That's all she'd insisted all the way through. And that was my job to make sure she got the drugs. And this boy just basically popped out like a, you know, cork out of a pop gum. And, uh, you know, so I was absolutely terrified a watching her go through it and she was very brave and it was amazing but b thinking she's gonna fucking kill me uh and <laughs> and 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 I, and I thought he was you know he was so still when he was born yeah. i thought he was dead yeah. uh and you know so i'm sorry this is hideous that you had to go through yeah this. so but it really was sorry. but he was fu- he was fine, but you know, and then we were we were we weren't even allowed to stay in the room we should give him birth in. Whereas the first time we'd we'd had a not much nicer experience in terms of like they gave us lots of time, um, but it was just it was so boom 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 boom, boom. and then yeah. we were even even after it was over we were we were just put in like tiny little cubicles and we were trying to talk about how to feed uh, Ernie. And my wife's having trouble, and like someone else said, "Can you be quiet? We're trying to sleep." And you go, "Fucking." So yeah. we just had this, but you know, yeah. And also, I didn't. I had to sit in a very uncomfortable chair for all the whole the whole night. And you know, no, I'm not allowed to complain, am I? She got a bed. Yeah. It's not fair. Well, so yeah, but yeah, it's, so it's it, awful. It was... But it is awful. And then, it, and what that <laughs> meant is that by the time you got home, you were knackered, and you yeah. were, you know, you you watched this baby, you know, you thought might die. And then, no, actually, everything's cheerful and lovely. And then you come home and everyone goes, well, isn't everything brilliant? And you kind of come out <laughs> shaking, like you've just come out of a car crash or something. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and you sort of have to terrible. paint a smile onto your face and just go, yes, no, everything's lovely now. And it's... it's yes. I, I, were you able to talk about it with people in the immediate aftermath where, where you i think so I, be, I, mean, I mean the good bit. thing about being a comedian is i just do and and a writer i think is i do tend to talk about stuff more than most men mm. i think um and i'm you know and I, and I saw i could see what was funny about it all as well you know yeah. and i did routine i did a routine about my my daughter's birth um and you know my playing up my own selfishness whatever but and also the weird things that happen but yeah it, it's it's you know it's wonderful it's amazing but I think like watching it must be diff- much different than than doing it not just it's easier but it's you know it's sort of weird to see a head coming out of your wife in between yeah. her legs uh, yeah. and I, like even when I first saw my daughter one minute I honestly thought her head was the size of a bat when it came out I thought it was the size of a basketball and then immediately it was down to baby size. So I was like hallucinating mm. because I was misreading what it was so unbelievable what was happening. And she was really crying as well, my daughter. Uh, so there was no chance of her being dead, but she was like, she was, it was yeah. like you could hear it echoing up the birth canal. She was so upset about the way she'd been treated. Um, but, and it's the uh, same. I yeah, would say it also feels the same from, I remember at about day four or five of my birth, you know, I was nine centimetres dilated and the midwife had a look and said, oh, I can see a lot of dark hair. And I was like, what dark hair? And she went, the baby's dark hair. And I 
genuinely remember feeling surprised and I don't know what I thought <laughs> I'd been doing for the lot. but it's really weird and I remember yeah sort of on a similar vein I remember at the point where you know there's that sort of odd stage between about four and five three four five months where you go from being sort of generally pregnant to very specifically pregnant and you kind of blow up and it's like sort of from the inside it's like being on a hall of mirrors you look in the mirror every day and your body looks different and I remember saying to my husband does this not freak you out at all that I'm literally (laughs) changing shape and you can feel something moving inside me and he said and he says he's being honest he said no it doesn't freak me out at all and I was like well I'm (laughs) fucking freaked out did did that freak you out or was it yeah I mean I I think the whole thing is just the whole thing is just so weird and again I guess you go through it and you experience it more but yeah the whole Process. and well, the idea that that's lot, gone though. on you know yeah to, but it's gone on watch. for You're very close quarters to it when, yeah when, but the, the idea wife. that that's happened throughout you know that that's an unbroken chain mm. uh back through to like amoebas basically so that birth is <laughs> that birth yeah. is just been going on on it's just so uh, un, you know it's not natural it doesn't feel natural no but you, you talk in the book about um how it sort of reminds you that we're animal that we you know that we hide away our animalistic side in every other yeah. setting in terms of having sex and defecating and urinating. Yeah. We generally do those things away from the eyes of yeah. other people. I mean, we obviously have birth uh, babies away from the eyes of most people, but but it but you're you're in there with other people doing doing the most. I mean, animalistic thing. Yeah, possibly. And I, mean, and that is it, very I suppose that's disconnected. Like, aren't yeah. they? Babe, there's nothing more animal than a, you know, they're very human, but they're very animal as well, I think, newborn. But they, like you say, with, with your daughter's cries echoing down the birth yeah. canal, <laughs> sort of sh- shouting her kind of animal needs almost. Yeah. And I did, because as I remember being sort of very frightened by that sense of kind of animal need that you need to feed the baby, you need to change the baby, you need to make the baby happy. How does it feel from, your side being at that very slight remove from it what what did that feel like in the early and later days to you that sort of sense that you're the end of the line you've got to do something now so I found that very difficult yeah I mean it's you know there's no the thing is there even if you've read the books which Katie had and I hadn't you know there's no you don't know what you're meant to be doing you know and even when we'd had a we'd had one baby the second baby I'd forgotten everything I'd forgotten about burping kids and I'd forgot we'd you know we couldn't we forgot to take like a things like taking a car seat into the into the hospital. We hadn't done that with the second one. We forgot loads of things. So, but yeah, it's. I mean, we 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 were fairly equal in terms because we basically bottle fed both of them more or less from the beginning. Mm. Um, and uh, so, like, I was I did try to take as equal a part as I as possible, which obviously is not entirely possible in, in those circumstances. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's it. You feel so vulnerable, and you feel like you don't know what you're meant to be doing and yeah I mean I think those the things you talk about and you you know the, when things go wrong when you when I mean, we took we took uh Ernie into hospital quite a lot because we were constantly worried about things and you know some of them are some of them are genuine and some of them are not yeah. um but yeah that those sort of is it's that is knowing that you're totally responsible to keep this thing alive yeah. and knowing how difficult it is and if they're not drinking their milk or if they're you know or if they become ill it's so 
you know, it's still, I mean, it still is. My son's got had a, a, like a very mild tummy ache for two weeks and you're kind of thinking, oh my God, what if this is something more than just a tummy, you know, so you're, you're thinking, oh, I mean, you do talk about your, your son falling downstairs in the oh, book. Oh God, and, yeah. Yeah. And that'd be pretty nasty. We had an experience where at a soft play party, we could see these kids using the soft play thing in the wrong way. They were going sideways rather than up and down it. And they were sort of going up on the wall and then jumping across. And we were thinking, that's pretty bad. And we were sitting watching it. And I could see Ernie was doing it as well. I was thinking I should get up. There was a dad that had already got up to say something. And there was no crash mat on the on the side that they were going. And then suddenly Ernie just came over, tried to jump and slip backwards head first towards the floor. Oh, Luckily sort of caught, caught his arm. And so he sort of fell on his leg. Mm. Uh, but he felt like about four feet onto the floor. And I just thought, and we've been sitting there going, oh, maybe someone should go. And, <laughs> and you know, and typically it was our stupid son who gets into all kinds of trouble, uh, who was the one who fell off. And luckily he was absolutely fine. But, you know, you just, that's it. I mean, you're just thinking at, at any moment, you know, you, yeah. you could you could kill this child. Yeah, or, life or, feels or like the opening scenes of casualty forever. I feel like everything <laughs> I do, I'm waiting. And last night we had... But I had two kids over to have dinner before brownies and I was in sole charge of four children. And I yeah. was just thinking, fuck, how is this allowed? At, at what stage <laughs> did I achieve enough status as an adult for this apparently to be fine? And apparently <laughs> it's fine. It doesn't feel fine. I'm just, and you know, you tell them to do something and you just hope they'll do it. But this, it feels terrifying constantly terrifying and I don't feel I suppose I thought before I came a, became a parent when I become a parent I'll kind of inherit the secret parent knowledge that'll make it okay and then you become a parent and you're like nope got nothing still the same person yeah still still in terror <laughs> don't really know what I'm doing just sort of hoping these children that I've been entrusted with will do what I say but I I don't feel like I've I don't know, latched into this kind of deep seam of knowledge that I thought I would. And I, I is that, again, is that something that you've kind of, or do, do you feel a bit yeah, more yeah. than? I, you know, I just, yeah, it's, it's amazing how clueless you are and it's amazing how mm. little help you get. And, you know, you, you would just, you don't even get like, you'd think there'd be a manual that'd be handed out. And, and it, it sort of would make sense as well to at least, but just that, I think like when Katie was struggling to get either of the children to latch on, get, you know, you sort of think, oh, well, giving milk to a child, that'll be easy. And it was absolutely the most horrific that both times mm. it was just so horrible and basically didn't work in the end. Uh, so that's that's why we, we went with bottles. But yeah, it was you'd think, oh, well, this is so natural, and yeah. then or you have people round to try and help you, and it, obviously everything's so different, and it still didn't really, you know, even with the advice, it still didn't yeah. work. So yeah, there's no, it's it's such a, and it, I suppose it's interesting because like as a comedian, um, there's a sort of, oh no, you've had a baby, you're just going to talk about your babies now, uh, and there's a sort of anti, you know, anti parents in stand-up, which obviously comes from people who don't have kids usually. Uh, but, like, it, that's sort of weird in itself, that it's sort of shut, that other people try to shut down. I'm sure some people will be annoyed by us just talking about being yeah, a parent. I'm in sure, this it, I'm sure and people just will, yeah. People want to shut it down. And it's so I, – I'm, so, I'm fascinated by anything that you're not allowed to talk about. And, and parenthood yeah. is one of those things where you either have to – you know, you, you can talk about the kind of mums who – who seem to have these babies that understand everything and they're, they're so in control and they're changing nappies with one hand and they're making you feel inadequate. I'm sure pretty much everyone feels that everyone else is, is doing it properly. But but it's sort of, I think anything where you're not supposed to talk honestly about something 
or where you can only talk euphemistically or just lie about it, which I think most yeah. most parents must do. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah, you don't want to hear that oh, we were in this, you know, we, we we went through a lot of things after Ernie's birth because we just moved and we just got a dog stupidly at the mm. same time and our house wasn't ready. And it was very, very, very stressful. I mean, it was pretty horrific all the way through. Um, and, you know, it's 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 sort of weird that, yeah, you can't, you're not allowed to complain because... No. For various reasons, I suppose, but but you know, people just want you to go. Think, How's the baby? They're fine. Is it good? Yes. Okay, move on. No one wants to talk about it. It's sort of, it's sort of, it is weird. So that's why I think this book is, um, you know, it's I, it, it, it's it, it, there's some very funny stuff in it, and there's some very funny bits in it, but a lot of it really isn't funny. <laughs> and I'm not meant to be. <laughs> a lot of it's like, oh my god, this is you know, this is this is the sort of truth, which I think is. You know, I think parents will love, but I think, but I think also, I think it maybe those people who think, oh, I don't want to hear about your boring baby chat about how your baby's the best baby in the world, which I don't think many parents really ever do say, <laughs> because most babies are pricks. Um, but yeah, but no, anyway, and look, I hope you can kind of look at it as well, even if you're not going to do it, just as something really interesting and weird. That's if 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 you read it just to kind yeah. of get an insight into this weird shit that is part of, for some people, the human experience. It's useful as a window into that, even if you yeah. don't think it applies personally. Which, which, book, which book should be? Which book, yeah. book should be, like, read about something that isn't your life? I think for dads, though, and, you know, I think, I don't know, I mean, I've, I've, I have always tried to, you know, do, I mean, like, I, I think being an older dad, I really, I really love, the kids and I really I love being around them and I think if I'd been 30 I wouldn't be anywhere near as keen or as good a dad as I am now and I'm glad that I'm, I'm glad in many ways that I left it late I'm, I'm I'm sad in other ways that I left it late um but I think to for, to understand you know I think because it really helped me to understand what Katie had been was going through in those times where sometimes we'd be shouting at each other I think um even though I did appreciate how hard it was for her, I think this book really eloquently puts together how how crazy you feel as a as a mother and a more than more than you do as a father and and how primeval and um and what a mind fuck the whole thing is so i think for i think you know i i know i know you got a quote from someone saying they wished they'd, they'd read it before they were a father and they, I, I think it's very good for men to read this uh either just for interest or, or to get to get a bit more understanding of, of what's going on because it's yeah I think it's it's easy just think oh mothers you know mothers and babies that's the most natural thing in the world they're meant to be together and they'll it'll all be happy and she'll be happy once she's got a baby that's what she's there for um and obviously that's all uh bullshit so um yeah so you know I think it's a book it's a book that people should read um uh, and uh, there's another. There was another crossover with with, with one of my routines where you talk about five, the five little ducks. Uh, oh yeah, uh, song nursery rhyme and how yeah. what a weird song that is. Yeah, um, freaks me out I every time I, I listen to it. I think you know you say where's the duck gone, but I, what I want to know is why does the mother duck keep going back when their babies are just disappearing one by one? <laughs> you know, after the second one, you'd go okay, I won't go back to that pond. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and. Even though, even though they come back, Marianne, where have they been for that yeah. week? They've, they've been, some of them have been away for a week. Looking it's, in their little black dark. eyes. What have they seen? <laughs> <laughs> they've seen some. But, you know, I think all those things, I mean, I got, I, I think I got, I sort of got obsessed with a different TV shows to you. But, like, I, I mean, again, I've talked about this in my stand up, but you, 
the you know the people on TV because you're watching so much kind of you know CBBS or mm. or little baby bum or whatever. So like you sort of and you're not m- meeting any other adults really. So the people on TV you kind of have this weird like <laughs> start having these weird relationships with yeah. women and puppets on television that I yeah. started feeling were my only friends in the world, which is sort of happened to you a little bit within the night garden as well yeah and and they're very clean aren't they all the cbb's presenters i mean literally (laughs) clean as in you can't imagine a dirty (laughs) thought ever coming into their head but they also spend a lot of time around children i always thought justin justin fletcher very very clean for someone who spends you know i go near a child and i'm immediately covered in actual (laughs) shit whereas everyone clearly they've got about 30 changes of clothes Um, but yeah no my daughter postman packed the movie every day for a year um, wow. and watch that film sometimes twice and I feel like I saw things in that film I went deep <laughs> into that film <laughs> I went to a place I still and even now when I think about it it makes me feel very slightly ill what were your children what were your children's <laughs> obsessions what were they um or what are they still oh obsessed God. by I mean, they do, you know, just all, I mean, they were really into the little baby. My daughter loved the little baby bum thing. And it was, you do start going in deep. I mean, all those, all yeah. the songs, you start thinking, of, but you know, all the, these things again, I, I find it fascinating that so many things have been passed down. You know, they get obsessed with my, my son's a bit obsessed with the oranges and lemons uh, song at the moment, which is really a nice little tune until the end. It suddenly starts about chopping people's heads off. And that's the bit yeah. he loves, but it's sort of this weird nursery rhyme that feels like oh so you're about to put your kids here comes a candle to light you to bed here comes a chopper to chop off your head it's sort of such a disconnect with the rest of it and yet that's been handed down for yeah. 200 years forever long that's yeah. been going on um and you know some of the stuff that we were taught as kids that we would merrily sing along to with the worst racial epithets yes. that kids are expected to sing it's sort of so it is such a bizarre thing, and it's yeah. I think like we were we watched the Wiggles a lot, so I became very obsessed. Oh, the Wiggles, with Emma from the Wiggles. Yeah, Emma Wiggles. She's left the Wiggles um, now. Did you see? I know she's that. Left kind the Wiggles, of thing. and she, I know. I know that kind she, of. I'm weird not. Stuff. I was kind of obsessed with her, and yeah. I loved. I kind of was slightly in love with her as a Wiggle. Whenever I see her not as a Wiggle, I'm not interested in her at all. And that with, makes with me think, what the hell on. is going on in my? Yeah. What's, <laughs> just just without the costume, yeah. and just as a regular human being, I'm going. What? I'm not interested in you. I want, I want the yellow wiggle, wherever she is. Uh, uh, so it's, uh, that's made me question who I am and what the hell's going on there. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so it's, you are you 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 think way too much about stuff, but also a lot of the things that we that kids that kids go through, and, you know, and, and, are, and are introduced to is so weird, especially as they get a little bit older. It's sort of because it's so difficult to to judge what they can watch and what they can't watch, and then yeah. some, you know, they'll see something they shouldn't see. About? I mean, so I, there's a whole bit in my book, and I don't know if you've had this. I'm sure, I'm sure you have actually. I really have a difficulty with climate change um, because they learn yes. about it at school. And you know, I remember my daughter coming home one day and going, "Mummy, the oceans are polluted, and a whale died." And I was like, <laughs> "Mate, it's. I mean, yeah, it, it is a whale. Yeah. Also, all the whales. You know, where do you? And on the one yeah. hand, you want to go, yeah, we are fucked. And on the other hand, you don't want to say that to them because, you know, my daughter is seven. She's eight. I don't. So it's how do you kind of give them the rage that they will need to have a go at tackling this shitty, fucked up world that we are even now? You know, you sort of see it carrying on unfolding as we just bin all our kind of various good fossil fuels resolutions. But on the other hand, you don't want to scare them so much. You, you kind of don't want to give them that 
absolute reality because yeah. the child will never sleep again. And I don't absolutely <laughs> no idea how to, to navigate any of this when I talk to my no. children. And it, and I, I really feel like yeah. I'm messing up all the time and I, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know. Do you, is that again? I, is that just me? Or? Yeah, yeah, I think all those things. No, all those things that you, you know, when's the appropriate time? There's no one telling you. You know, I've been tried to be like really open about... You know, if they ask a question, I try to answer it. And, you know, in like, so yeah. it's about how babies are made or anything like that. I'll, I'll, I told my daughter roughly how babies are made. And then she told Katie that uh, I told her that uh, the man chops up his penis and the woman has to eat it. <laughs> Which is not what I told her. How did I... I mean, and that's brilliant. how a baby's made. <laughs> So maybe I went in too early by explaining. <laughs> I said that I said I explained that you know that that that, that there had to be some introduction of the penis for <laughs> China. I mean, a lot of the books have stuff in. So yeah, I mean, all those things. And you talk about obviously mentioning the the Holocaust with your oh, daughter. Yes. You're Jewish. Oh God. Uh, yes. And you know when do you, when do you bring that in? And but I think I don't know. I think they sort of they sort of cope. And I sort of I like the I like the idea of being open and honest with them and and and, tr- and trying to reason with them with a four-year-old yeah. it's absolutely impossible but with a se- the seven-year-old is you know you can I can I sometimes forget she's a kid and then yeah. when she says things like like chopping up a penis and eating I remember that she is a kid so it's she's you know she they're very different <laughs> my two children uh but uh, anyway and uh what else was well? I, 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 weirdly, with your book, I did have the audio book and I listened to a bit of the audio book, but I actually, I actually properly read your book because I had, oh, the, really? I had the uh, the print copy first, which I, I enjoyed. I thought I, I thought I'd got to the point where I um was was re- really more into audio books, but I think I might try and read read more. I think you get a bit more from the from the books. How did you find you did your own audio book as a voiceover yeah. artist? So how, um, did, you, how it... did you find that process? Well, it wasn't. So I thought it was going to be awful. I thought I was going to be, I don't know, a sort of bit of a mess by the end of it. In fact, I think because I used to be a voice artist, I think it's it's a little bit like you. I'm used to knowing what my work will sound like in my head when I'm writing it down. So there's, I always read out my essays to myself as I'm kind of doing the final proof anyway. So So it wasn't quite the sort of terrible emotional miserable experience I thought it might be where I would be sort of overwhelmed <laughs> by my, the story of my own life there was one the, the very very ending I found a bit difficult but mainly yeah mainly it was actually it was it was quite nice to read it aloud also I found some typos which I think I wouldn't have spotted otherwise so on the next reprint yeah. there will be will be three fewer typos but no I, I yeah it was it was pleasing to read it aloud also it's quite it's a fairly short book um and and maybe that's again why it's essays, so it's it's short little choppy pieces, so you can yes. dip in and out rather than a kind of great big thick tome. So it wasn't it wasn't yes, too intimidating true. to sit down and read aloud. Yeah. I think if it had been Wolf Hall or something, I'd have I'd have pulled a bit <laughs> of spending a week in the studio. But we did it in two days, and and I was pleased with it. I think I was I was pleased to be given the chance to read it because it's memoir. It would have felt a bit weird if someone else had read it. I think. Hearing yeah, but someone else's voice is, is it talking about it's my It's interesting. Life. I've had I've had a bit of both with the books I've had, and you know, sometimes you think, well, yeah, that'd be weird. But if you get the right person, I yeah. think it, it can it can work. But then that's the and sometimes it's a mistake for the for an author to read their own work. I have yeah. to say, but in this case, it's a it's a very nice uh, audio book. Okay. I kind of like the uh, the discussion of all the 
the babies we could have had and the, all the people we <laughs> don't exist, which I think about a lot because you know oh, you actually only have to change. You have to change. Well, uh, you know, but if uh, if you change any one thing in your life, then you wouldn't have the children. You know, it has to be a very specific meeting of a certain sperm with a certain egg at exactly the right time. But from a female point of view, it's also it's not just that you could have at your egg could could potentially each egg could potentially meet any of the 600 million sperm of any of the human beings currently alive. So the number of potential people that you, that you are, you know, have forbidden to live by your refusal to sleep with every single person on the planet. Children are so sure of themselves. They seem so inevitable once you see them, don't they? You sort of, this yeah. kind of, you think about all the sort of sliding doors connections that led to your children existing. And if you were to say that, I don't know if I would say that to my children, they'd be like, yeah, and? You know, they, they feel inevitable <laughs> to themselves. And once they exist, yeah. they feel inevitable to me. But of course, I know full well they're not inevitable. I know exactly the sort of series of tiny and big things that led to them existing. And I find that really weird and kind of haunting sometimes when I think how easily they yeah. couldn't have existed. So easily. Yeah. Or been someone else. It's crazy to think of, of, the, of all the people who could have been there. I just remember thinking, I remember before my daughter was born thinking, you know, I wonder what she'll look like. And obviously not knowing what her her face would be like and then immediately obviously she's born and you have and then you know what that and it's after it's happened it's almost impossible to think back to a time you didn't know that they were them yeah. uh, and they they could have been anything and then they're born and then they just are them and it, it you know it is it's also freak I don't think you know I think we're all just characters in some kind of video game or something Marianne because it doesn't it doesn't make any doesn't make a lick of sense what's going on when you no. stop and think about it. It's insane. No, even when you're in the middle of it, it makes no sense. I thought it would. <laughs> it and no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, well, listen. I hope everyone will buy. Um, don't forget to scream. It's out right. Now. It was out yesterday as as this goes out. Uh, so uh, do buy it. Are you uh, are you reading anything you'd like to recommend, or have you read anything recently you'd, um, you think is a good book? I've read a really interesting book I've just finished um, called 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. Um, Really interesting. Um, And it's about time and how we... So 4,000 weeks is the average human lifespan, which suddenly feels quite short. Yeah, for ages I didn't read it because the title (laughs) gave me the heebie-jeebies. And it was essentially the message of the book is that you need to stop waiting for everything at some point in the future to be perfect so that you can start doing all the shit that you've been meaning to get around to doing because you'll be dead um you've got to get on and do it now (laughs) and it felt very relevant when I was thinking about it in terms of parenting because I think you know so much of kind of people talk about oh it'll be worth it or when they get older it'll be easier and actually children aren't just a preparation period for adulthood your child your kid's childhood is their childhood and yeah. new parenthood is new parenthood or new motherhood is new motherhood and actually if you kind of keep waiting and going oh it'll be better at some point it's worth it you'll be okay one day they'll be adults themselves but you're kind of denying what's there in front of you and I and that helped me a lot thinking okay no it's worth doing whatever the thing is to make things easier in the moment even if that means literally just grabbing someone and telling them my experience right now rather than just keeping quiet or spending that bit of extra money to make things nicer or whatever I want to try and enjoy my life and inhabit my life as it is now rather than waiting for this mystical mythical 
time down the line when suddenly I'll be this kind of perfect version of myself, which will never come. He is very clear on that. <laughs> so yeah, it's a great book and I would really recommend it. It's quite scary, but once you kind of get past yeah. that, it's, it's really good, really good and very uplifting, good. I think. Brilliant. Okay. Well, I'll look out for that. And uh, thank you very much thank you. Uh, to Baron Levy. Uh, we will be back uh, next week talking uh, with Malcolm Gaskill about the ruin of all witches. That's quite a different book to yours. Well, maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it was. I feel like a ruined witch sometimes. Um, <laughs> thank you very much, uh, Marion Levy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the, on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye. <laughs>